Good morning. Good morning. Man, so good. I love it in here. You can hear. It's amazing. Um, I hear you guys. I know you're there. But, um, man, this morning we're going to be in Isaiah 54. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and go there. Um, Lydia didn't know this. We didn't talk about this, but she already read it today. Um, so thanks for that. I was thinking about just singing more and going home, but, you know, figured figured we'd try it. Um, <laughs> but, man, so excited to be here with you guys. So excited to to lean into this word. I think I told you last week, I'm kind of like a, I'm kind of like a sucker for different seasons, like special events. That's, that's kind of me. So anytime there's some um, moment, I feel like we just need to lean into that moment. And today we have um, this moment. We are in this place for the first time. And like I said, there's nothing special about this place. Like at the end of the day, I was here when we put most of it together. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it's just bored. Right? We didn't bless it. We didn't sprinkle anything on it. Like, it's just bored from, I don't know, Lowe's or Home Depot. I'm going to say Home Depot for Jeff's sake. He likes Home Depot. And um, on top of that board is drywall. And uh, then there's paint on top of that. There's nothing special about it. Um, this is just a building. But, man, I believe there's something special that God can do in this place. And um, anyway, I'm just thankful today to get to be in here and to be a part of that with you guys. And, um, again, looking for better days. Um, And I don't know how many of you know this, but for a lot of us, um, this last season we're coming out of, this three years, um, it was a rough season. Um, Just so many of us going through different things, dealing with different things, loss, and um, it was was tough. And um, anyway, I'm just looking forward to to better days, and I'm, I'm believing God for that. And as we're leaving that season and stepping into this new season, I feel like Isaiah 54 just kind of captures that moment. So this morning, we're going to talk about Isaiah 54. And Isaiah uh, is, is a book written about this prophet, a lot of its prophecy and things that have already come to pass. This was not written yesterday. Um, but still very relevant and real for us today as the church. A lot of it's kind of that um, mirror effect that we talk about in the Bible a lot where you have this Old Testament thing that's happening and it's just this shadow of a New Testament thing that's happening. So he's speaking here, Isaiah, to um, the children of Israel, but also today to us. And in Isaiah 54, we see Israel's coming back out of captivity. That this people, God's people, had been carried off into Babylon because of their sin, um, not because God left them or forgot about them, because they had rebelled against God, and they left God, and then God let them have what they wanted, um, which is to not be with God, and he, he let them be carried out of this land that God had given them into, into another land as captives, but God never leaves his people in captivity. I love that. Isn't that amazing truth today, that God never just leaves his people in captivity, God is, God is moving us towards this, this promised land. In this moment, it was towards the, the land Israel. But man, for us, he's moving us towards the promised land, heaven with him. And he looks at this people who's coming back into um, this land, coming out of captivity, a people that's probably kind of marred down by shame because they had left God and now they've realized that the reason they've been in captivity is they've walked away. Uh, people marred down by the sin that they had been living in, and they're, they're returning to this promised land, but this promised land's only like a shadow of what it used to be. All their cities at this point in time kind of lie in ruin. This is not the Israel that they left, and this is the 
prophecy that, that comes as they're returning. And the prophecy starts with a proclamation. Isaiah, through God, looks at him and he says, Rejoice, barren one who did not give birth, burst into song and shout, you who have not been in labor. Here's the proclamation. He, he looks at Israel and he compares them to a barren woman, a woman who's not um, been able to give birth. Now, in this culture, childbirth was highly valued, especially the birth of a, a male child. That's what they looked for because it carried on the line and the name and all those all those things, and, and to, to not be able to give birth in this culture was, was, was a shameful thing. You, you were in a place of shame, and sometimes even your husband would divorce you or leave you and kind of replace you because you, in, in this culture, couldn't do what they thought you should be able to do. And he's comparing Israel to, to this childless woman, not because Israel stopped populating, that's not what happened but because it's a shameful thing and Israel here is in a shameful moment they'd left God they'd been carried off into captivity and now they're walking back out of that but even coming out of that they're still marred down by the memory of I left God and that's why I was here I walked away from God and he's he sent us away and he's letting us come back we're kind of like a broken people at this point in time this is the stay and he looks at these people and he says rejoice Rejoice. This is the proclamation. I get that you're covered in shame. I get that everything feels like it's a mistake right now. I get that like this is not the moment you want to be in. But here's the message from God. Rejoice. It seems out of place in, in, in the context of this story. Hey, you're covered in shame. Why don't we be happy, right? Hey, everything's not where you want it to be. Why don't we shout and sing? I know that's probably not even what they felt like doing in these moments. Like, this is the kind of message from Isaiah that would kind of make you want to sock Isaiah in the mouth. Like, we don't want to rejoice today. Don't tell us to rejoice. We don't need you telling us how to feel and how to act and all those things. We just want to get back out of captivity and maybe in three months or six years down the road, like, will rejoice but today's not the day of rejoicing but this is what God is saying he's looking at him and he's saying I know the circumstances you're in I know you're covered in shame and this is not where you want to be I get all that but I have a message for you today even in that even in the place you don't want to be rejoice sing and shout I know you don't feel like it I know it's not what you want but sing and shout that's the proclamation, and outside of this proclamation, God drops in a prophecy. He says, rejoice, barren one who did not give birth, burst into song and shout, and then he transitions, and he says, because this is what we're going to do. For the children of the forsaken one will be more than the children of the married woman this is the prophecy this is like the whole whole deal can you imagine being a people like if, if this was the prophecy to america today like oh yeah you, you're gonna have more kids than the other people you're like what well, god what are you talking about this, I, I, i'm just ashamed like i don't <laughs> i don't even want kids leave me alone you know like what what is that what what's what is that prophecy? But 
we have to get the picture here. God's talking to these people and he's comparing their shame to this shame of this woman who can't give birth. And then he looks at them and he says, um, hey, the children of the forsaken one are going to be more than the children of the married woman. And really what, he, what he's saying in, in these moments is I'm, I'm coming to take away your shame. Not Israel's going to populate and there's going to be like millions of kids and we're going to be the biggest nation ever. He's not even speaking about childbirth. God's speaking just in something we can relate to. But he's saying here, I'm coming to take away your shame. What an amazing message to a people that have been caught in shame, carried off into captivity because of their sin, and then here God, who they've turned away from, comes back at them, and he says, hey, you just need to go ahead and get happy because I'm about to do an amazing thing. I'm about to take away your shame. But he goes over that, right? Like the children of the forsaken one will be more than the children of the married woman. What he's saying is, like, I'm not just coming to, like, give you a kid. I'm not coming to, like, barely take away your shame. I'm not coming to just, like, do enough that you can get by. I'm coming to abundantly take away your shame, is what he's saying. Like, I'm going to over and abundantly more take away your shame. Like, you you won't even remember you had shame when we get there. Like, I'm going to come and I'm going to wreck your shame. I'm coming to destroy, to wipe out your shame. Like, you're not going to remember these moments. So go ahead and sing and go ahead and shout. Go ahead and rejoice because God's coming to do a thing. And I love that because our God is the God who comes to take away shame. It's the same God today. We're not in Isaiah 54 where we're living in whatever book we would be today. I was going to make up something creative but couldn't get there. But (laughs) we're living in today, but we're living with the same God. And our God is the God who comes to take away shame. And not just in a little way, but like abundantly take away shame. And what's amazing to me is this follows Isaiah 53. Now some of you hear that and you're like, I know that one, right? That's the, by his stripes we are healed. There's this prophecy coming in Isaiah 53 that God is going to send this person who's going to come into this place and he's going to take away our sin and he's going to do that by his stripes. It's amazing, Isaiah 53, if you've never read it, it's like a blow-by-blow of the crucifixion. God was like, hey, I know everything, and I lived like all time, and I've written every day down, so let me just fast-forward a couple thousand years. And I'm going to let you know that there's a man coming who's going to be beaten and placed on a cross, and he's going to take away your shame and then, or your sin. And then one chapter later, he looks at these people, and by the way, the church, and he says, not only did I come to take away sin today, which is what led you off into captivity, I come to take away shame so you can walk back out of captivity. See, the amazing thing is God doesn't just want to like, let us go. He wants us to like victory march back into the place he has placed us, right? Like it's one of those things where God came to take away our sin. And I love that. And that's amazing. I don't have anything if it were not for the cross. If God hadn't died for me, I'd be headed towards hell and there would be no hope of me getting out of that. It doesn't matter how good I am, how bad I am, what I've done, what I've not done. None of that matters. I can't get anywhere with God except for by God. It's the cross that takes away our sin. But God came Not only to take away our sins so we wouldn't have to live in captivity anymore, but he came to let us march back out of captivity in victory, and he came to do that through taking away our shame. And here in Isaiah 53 and 54, we have this amazing picture, this little foreshadowing of what God is going to do through Jesus years, 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 years down the road. And he looks at these people and he says, hey, I want you to know, you can rejoice today. I know that you, you sinned and you did the thing and, and whatever, like everybody did that. And you didn't want me, so I let you live without me. But, but now I've come to separate you from your sin. And when I do that, I want you to know you can walk back in without shame. 
I'm not just coming to make it acceptable today. Isn't that amazing? God's not coming just so we can be like, eh, it's not that bad. I mean, everybody does it. We come to let us walk out of captivity in victory. And this is the message to these people. So he gives this proclamation. And then he gives this prophecy. But God never just leaves us there. Like he's always got a thing for us to do, right? Because like, what do you do with that? Ah, yeah. You, you don't have to live in shame anymore. Well, it's great, Brad. How do you do that? I mean, it's great for somebody to tell you you don't have to have shame, but like, what, what does not having shame even look like? Because I don't know, right? I've, I've, never, I've never lived like that. I, I, don't, I don't know how to not feel shame. But the amazing thing is, God, God comes in and he gives this proclamation. Here's, here's rejoicing and shout. I want you to do that because I'm, I'm doing the thing. I'm doing a thing. And as I'm doing that thing, I want you to know as you come back, I'm coming to take away your shame. You don't have to live in that anymore. But see, in these moments, they're still living in the circumstances of I was carried off into captivity and I'm coming back and when I got back, when I get back, there's stuff to do because nothing looks like it used to. Like when I see the broken down wall, that's going to remind me that like... We didn't follow God, and when I see the ruined, like, looted temple, I'm going to remember that, like, we didn't follow God. I, there's these reminders all around me that, that there's shame. And I, don't, I don't know what to do with that. They're still living in these circumstances. Yet God's telling them to live outside of these circumstances. Anybody relate to this today? Yeah. Like, I know, like, probably nobody's visited Babylon. And I don't, it's not even a place right now. It's coming back to a city near you, but, I mean, <laughs> it's not a place right now. We've not been literally, probably carried off into captivity. Not war shame, like, actual chains. But, man, we, we deal with stuff, Right? Some of us, we have left God, and because we left God, we've got ourselves into a mess that we couldn't get our way out of, and, and because of that, there's shame. Like, maybe we're still living in the mess, or maybe we're coming out of the mess, but either way, like, there's shame there. Some of us are living in places in our life that we, like, search situations that we don't, we don't want right now, like, right? Like, not every day is a great day, and not everything we go through is stuff we want to go through, right? Can I relate to this? And in that, there's this God who, who still says, like, I'm for you, and I'm, all things work together for your good, and I just want you to know I'm coming to do a thing. Whatever you're in today, I just, I just want to say that. Like, God's coming to do a thing. Because he is the God who says, like, I work all things together for your good. He is the God who's for us, not against us. And then he goes from prophecy and he, and he starts telling these people to prepare. And in two, he says, um, enlarge the side of your tent. Still on the 
kids metaphor, by the way. If you're going to have a lot of kids, you need a lot of space. Some of you know that. Maybe you don't have a lot of space, but you, you need a lot of space. <laughs> he looks at him and he says, Enlarge the sight of your tent and let your tent curtains be stretched out. Do not hold back. This is what God says to these people. He says, Lengthen your ropes and drive your pegs deep. He starts in verse 2 saying, Prepare. Now imagine this, hearing this, like we're coming back out of captivity, we've been covered in shame, nothing's going our way, we don't want to be here, and then God starts saying, oh, I'm going to do a thing, but before I do a thing, I want you to do a thing. I've already gave you the proclamation, I want you to rejoice and sing and shout, like just do it, because I'm coming to do something. Too many of us, we want to wait till God does something to pretend like God can do something. That's not faith. That's like seeing, right? I have to have faith that I'm going to have a hamburger from sitting at McDonald's and there's a hamburger in front of me. God says, hey, I'm, I'm going to do a thing. Go ahead and rejoice. Go ahead and sing and shout because I've come and I'm coming to take away your shame. And then he starts telling these people, but while I'm doing that, I want you to do some things. I want you to go ahead and prepare the way so when I do a thing, you're going to be ready for me to do the thing. So he looks at these people, same child metaphor, and he's like, hey, since we're coming to take away shame and, and, and we're doing the whole kids thing, why don't you just stretch out your tent? Like as far as you can get it, just stretch it out. I will fill it up if you'll stretch it out, is what he's saying. If you, if you will keep stretching out the tent, I will keep filling up the tent. He says, don't hold back, right? Lengthen your ropes. Expand the tent. Go as far as you can go, is what he's saying to these people. I am not only prophesying I'm going to do a thing, I want you to go ahead and prepare for me to do a thing. See, this is faith. This is faith. See, because these people are still living in this situation of nothing's going my way. This is not where I want to be. I'm covered in shame and I need to get out of this. And God promises a way out of this. And, and then since he's promised a way out of this, let me go ahead and get ready for the way out of this. That's faith. Surrounded by circumstances that don't match up with what God says, I lean into what God says. That's faith. I heard this expression one time, faith is praying for rain and taking the umbrella. How many of us were like, God, do this thing, but we don't move towards, I believe God's going to do this thing. Isn't that silly? God, I just pray you let it rain today. I'm not praying that, God. <laughs> it's rained a lot. Um, he made me this way. You just have to deal with it. Sorry. It's messed up in here. Um, <laughs> But wouldn't it be silly to, to say, I'm, I'm praying for rain, I'm believing God for rain, yet I leave my house, no rain jacket, no rain boots, no, no umbrella. Got my short sleeves and my shorts on because I'm looking for a sunny 75 because that's what the weatherman said. That's not faith. See, faith is not looking with the eyes that I have in my head, but looking through the lens of faith that says, hey, God is who he says he is. That God does have all power and all authority and all, abil all ability. That God is for me. He's not against me. That God actually loves me and cares about me, and he wants a, a future and a hope for me. That's faith. Faith is our God is a God who wants good things and actually takes bad things and works them out for good because that's the kind of God he is. And if we have that kind of faith, what we do is we pray, but then we prepare. 
We say, God, I I want you to do this thing. I actually believe you're going to do this thing. Now I'm going to get ready for you to do this thing. That's faith. And see, for so many of us, we live in situations we don't want to be in, but we don't do anything to move towards God's going to get me out of it. We, we maybe are, are, are living far away from God and we want to be close to God. We're praying, God, let me be close to you, but we don't make any move to get close to God. See, God already removed all the barriers through the cross. So there's like the only thing holding us back from God is us. Like he will let us come as close as we want to get. That's the Bible, right? Draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. Take a step, I'll take a step. You keep coming, I'll keep coming. That's the God we're serving. We can get as close to God as we want to get. But we shoot up these prayers, God, I want to be closer to you, God, I want to be closer to you. Never pick up a Bible, never pray any more than just little bitty simple prayers. Never in faith reach out and do anything. Never reach towards the miracles of God or the commands of God. We never do any of those things. It's not faith. Faith is not seeing my circumstances, but seeing the potential of who God is and what he does. And believing in the character of God, that God loves me, cares about me, wants what's best for me. And then leveraging what I've got, my life, towards those moments. That's faith. That's faith. See, I think it's an amazing morning to talk about faith because it's by faith that we stand in this place, right? Because I don't, I don't know if you were around, um, some of you were, some of you weren't at the beginning of this thing, but even last year, wouldn't it have been crazy to think, like, hey, we're going to be standing in the building we own this year? Even, you know, November probably. Even the first day we walked into here probably. But like, I don't, I don't know about you, but like five years ago, um, somebody looked at me and they're like, hey, we need, to, we need to start doing overflow again. It was a thing like way before it was ever this specific thing. Standing on shoulders today. But somebody looked at me and they're like, hey, we need to do overflow. It was a college ministry at that point in time. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about because, um, I mean, I can play guitar and I can sing, but we don't have anybody to preach. And she looked at me and she's like, well, you can do it. And I was like, no. <laughs> I taught Sunday school one time, and I left confused. There's no way. No way I'm going to do that. Ain't going to happen. And she goes, well, I, I'll help you. Okay. I didn't know what that meant, but okay. <laughs> I didn't know if we were trading off, or I had no idea. Okay, we'll try it. But let's just pray that God will send somebody to do it, and then... You know, when they, when they do it and whatever. Got up the first time. I read, like, every word that was going to be said. Some of you remember there were, like, four sheets of paper, and I just went down to the four sheets of paper, front and back, got to the end, and I was like, I don't really know how to end this, so I'm just going to pray. <laughs> this is the last words, I promise. Um, <laughs> but I got done, and I was like, man, um, that felt kind of like God wants me to do that. So I didn't say anything. Another week went by. Did that thing uh, again, read everything. Another week went by, I read that thing. And then the fourth week, God was like, hey, um, you're not letting me talk. So don't take your papers up there. Now that's faith. <laughs> we had an argument. Um, it was the kind that I lost. Um, and I, I said, 
Um, God, if I don't take the papers up there, I'm not going to know what to say, and I'm going to look like an idiot. And he said, if I can give it to you the first time, I can give it to you the second time. And I think I got up, and I said, hey, um, I'm not using notes, so sorry if it's bad, something like that. And it's amazing that God just come through. He's like, no, I, I gave it to you the first time. I told you I gave it to you the second time. I got done. And he was like, man, that's, that's faith. That's what happens when, when you take God up on his word. He, he came through. I don't, I mean, you know, angels didn't sing and stuff like that. But I remember what to say. And like, here we are, almost five years later. There were like, Three people in the band and one person, I think, the first week, and Jamie and Debbie. But I had a dream. Um, I'm not like a dreams person, so don't, I'm not Joseph or anything weird like that. Um, but I had a dream one time um, in the early days of, of the church, and I remember like we walked in, and there, like, I don't even think the whole band was there. I think there were like three people there, and, um, Somebody's like, what are you going to preach? I was like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what are we going to sing? I don't know. And uh, anyway, it was five minutes late because that's how we do things. And um, <laughs> vivid dream. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I guess we better start. So I walked up on stage, started playing. And as we started playing, like a band happened around us. I don't know where they came from, through the walls or something. It's a dream. It doesn't really make sense, but it's whatever. But they showed up. And then I looked up, and there were like 15-ish people. If you remember the first Sunday, what were there, like 15 people? Um, looked down, looked up again, and there was a room full of people. Looked down, looked up again, and looked at the door, and there was just a line of people. And then the wall started pushing back. It's a dream. doesn't have to make sense. Leave me alone. But they moved, and the building just expanded. And I remember some of you guys know because we sat around and talked about this dream. Like some dreams you're like, okay, that was crazy. I don't know why Daffy Duck was there, but whatever. Um, and then some dreams you're like, I think God was saying something. And... Um, I couldn't get it out of my head, and it's the, you know, this was like five years down the road, and I'm still thinking about it, so, so I guess six, because we were in college ministry for a couple years, and I still today remember it, and, and I'll just be honest, here's what God said as I prayed about that dream, I don't need your music, I don't need it, it's amazing, <laughs> since we didn't have monitors this morning, <laughs> I just now thought of that, um, I don't need your preparation or your messages, you just need me. And if you'll follow me, I'll do something you can't even imagine. And you won't even be able to contain the people that I reach. And I'm still reaching for that dream because, you, you know, you look around, and you're like, oh, we've hit, we've hit it big. We're in a building we own now, which is awesome. And it's like mostly full this morning. But then like in my brain, it's like, but God wants like the whole world. God wants the whole world. There's people in Knoxville that haven't heard the message of Jesus, so we should probably start here. But God wants the whole world. And you may look at that and you're like, well, what, what, what can we do in this place, with this space? What can we do to even make a dent in that? And I'll be honest, I don't have a battle plan. But you read like Isaiah 54 and like, there's not a battle plan. 
He didn't say, go back in and I want you to rebuild this gate first and then I want you to like throw up these walls and then I want you to go straight for the temple because that's my place. I want you to put my house back together and then you can put your house back together and then we're going to start scooting out from there. He doesn't give any of that, does he? He just said, I've said it, now get ready for it. I've said it, now get ready. So like for five years now, that's what we've been chasing, right? I've said it, now just get ready for it. I've said it, now get ready for it. Just make room, just make room and I'll do something. Just put walls up and I'll put people in the walls. Like just do something and I'll come through and I'll do what, what I only can do. And then that's the God that like I'm, I'm trusting in still today. This, this God that says, you know what, it's not about you. It's not about you having it all figured out. Like, doesn't the psalmist say, stop your fighting and see that I'm God? Right after he says, our God is the God who breaks the bows and he shatters the spears and he cripples the chariots. So just stand there and watch and I will do what only God can do. And then in Isaiah 54, what's he say? You may not be where you want to be, but I can see where you're going. So get ready. You, you may not be in the place and the moment and the circumstances you feel like you should be at 32 or 47 or 26 or, or 16. You may, you may not be there. But if you get ready, I'll take you there. If you will, will go beyond, like, I'm going to listen and I'm going to praise, right? I'm going to worship. That's amazing to me. That's the starting place, by the way. Maybe if we could push past the worship, we're not going to quit doing that. Like we talked about last week, I've seen what God can do. I'm going to raise my hand. There's nobody going to keep my hand down. I've been set free and redeemed, and I'm alive in Him. And there's nobody going to keep me from moving around. There's nobody, nobody going to take my song. There's nobody that can do that. I'm, but, but today, maybe, maybe we go beyond that. And He invites us into this land of belief, this place where we're like, I've heard what you said, God. I've heard what you said. I know that you're the God that's for me. I know that you can do amazing things. I know that you're working all around me and in me and through me. I get that. But isn't that still just like an intellectual thing? And can you even really believe if you don't also prepare? And maybe today God's inviting us out of like just praise and outside of just prophecy, knowing, and He's inviting us into this place of preparation. As a church, yeah, we put the picture up, right? There's already like another plan. And then I'm going to let you know beyond that, there's another plan. And beyond that, there's another plan. And there's another plan. And God may shift all those plans or break all those plans or change all those plans. But like, I'm thinking of like a world because God said, hey, I'm coming for the world. So you need to do something that's world size, not like Knoxville size or community size. Like we're going to the community. We're out here. Sometime, maybe in the next week, we're going to go up the road and over to the subdivision. We're going to say, hey, we're here. We want to be your family. We're making space for you. We're we're wide in the tent for you. We're pulling out the ropes for you. We're making space because our God is a person who makes space. That's what he does. So we're just going to make space. And we're not going to stop there just because we're here. We're going we're to go to Knoxville and then beyond that to somewhere else. And then we're, the goal is, let me just tell you the world today. You know why? Because Jesus is the one who says, go make disciples. 
Yeah, you can go here, but when you get done there, I want you to go here. When you get done there, I want you to go here. I'm aiming for everybody. For God so loved the world. Make disciples of the whole world, right? And as a church, that's, that's where we're headed. But maybe individually today, you're like, oh, I'll just roll up in here. I'm not even part of this thing. I just, I just want to see what's going on. I like the outside. I don't know why you'd like the outside. It's going to be looking better, by the way, if it ever quits raining. <laughs> but personally today, even if you, even if you never come back, like there, there's a God who loves you and cares for you. He's a God who came to break sin and shame and guilt and hell and the grave. That's the God. He's a God who's for us, not against us. He's a God who even takes bad things and works them together for good. And you may not be where you want to be today. But man, if we would just go beyond prophecy and realize that we have the God of all possibility, then we would prepare. What would God do in our hearts and our lives? Some of us, we're just far away from God, and we're like, I'm just, looking for, I'm just looking for something. And God may not break down all the barriers and the walls for you today. I don't believe you hear the gospel the first time and give your heart to Jesus the first time most of the time. Some people do, most do not. I mean, maybe if we could just go to the possibility today that there is a God who loves us, that there, is some, there had to be something that made all this, and if he made all that, maybe he made me and cares about me. Maybe that's the possibility we start into today and we start preparing. If that's a possibility, I want to learn a little bit about this God, so I'm going to investigate. What would God do? Worst case scenario, he doesn't show up. Best case scenario, man, that, that same God moves into your heart and he changes your whole life for the better. I'm not worried we're not going to figure out he doesn't exist. I've been trying that for 2,000 years and haven't done it yet. Maybe today we're just part of the church and we've been living kind of in the backslid, is that like a word anymore, mentality? We've been living far away from God. We've been coming to church and going through the motions, or maybe we haven't, but man, there's not a closeness there. And you keep hearing people talk about, you can get close to God. You can have a relationship with God. You can, well, maybe today we just look at that and say, well, man, if God says it, it's a possibility. And I just want to investigate. And today he's not going to probably show up in a lightning bolt and just bam, you're filled with the Holy Spirit and the day's crazy from there on out. He might. But what if we just prepared for that? God, I want to be close to you. So, I mean, I'm going to start here. Maybe we're living in something crazy in our life today in circumstances and situations that maybe we can control, maybe we can't, and God's calling us out of them. We know it because we're drowning. Maybe today we just lean into the possibility that there's a God who can reach down and rescue. That's what faith is, isn't it? Not just, oh, I believe it, but God, I believe it to the point where I'm going to leverage my life to prepare for it. As a church, that's who we want to be, but as people, don't we want to be also the same? And be like a gardener saying, God, I want you to grow tomatoes here, but never put a seed in the ground. A builder, God, I want you to put a house here, but I'm not going to buy any materials.
faith comes hand in hand with preparation. So today, let's move past just the praise and the prophecy into preparing to see what God does. I think on the website when we first started, it said, imagine what God would do with a handful of people who are willing to find out. That's the God I'm searching today, and that's the person I want to be today. Amen. I just want to invite you into that.